This is Comic Shenanigans episode 796, Flashback, getting into X-Men comics as a kid. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. This is episode 796. It's a flashback episode. This time I'm I'm not doing anything super specific. I just wanted to kind of uh, talk about getting into X-Men. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Uh, my interest in the X-Men has definitely been revitalized, uh, as I think it is has been with many people, um, with uh, what Jonathan Hickman did, started doing last year with House of X and Powers of Ten, or Hawks Pox, if you want to call it that. And uh, it really got me thinking, you know, about why... That has made me more interested than the last few years of storytelling has been. I think part of it, I mean, it's pretty easy, is that Hickman has proven himself to be a guy who really thinks in the big. He thinks big time. He thinks, you know, with very big ideas, uh, and he doesn't he doesn't go small. And like his Fantastic Four run, uh, his Avengers runs, like it was a he had a long mapped out storyline in his head, and then he slowly got to you know kind of. Um, beckon us all in to experience this vision but he he knew what was going on all around and this time it's almost like he's he's not editing the books but he's the you know he's the 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 really the showrunner the run kind of dictating the ideas that are going into the x titles the the whole x kind of idea right now and it's interesting and we have this whole what is it ten of swords which looks like the x of swords coming out soon and um you know, it's the a huge, massive X Men crossover. But it's interesting that it feels like when people talk about it online, and maybe that's just the people I've read, they actually are not feeling like, ugh, this is just another big thing. Um, although it's interesting, this year you have Empire, and I, I really don't think anyone's really spoken ill of Empire either, because it just feels like a cool idea and something that could be really interesting. Um, and kind of resurrecting characters we have maybe haven't seen in a while in different places, so it's interesting to see that. Anyways, X of Swords kind of feels the same way, or Ten of Swords, where it feels like people are excited, even though it's like 24 chapters or something ludicrous, uh, just monopolizing every X-related book. But it's, you know, because it's servicing this giant vision that's coming out of this visionary creator, everyone's kind of on board uh it's interesting how you know big a difference that can make it was it got me thinking about what kind of got me into x-men comics and and how for a long time like they were the ones that really i think got me into reading comics i think spider-man kept me reading comics i think spider-man really became kind of my favorite but i don't think he was at the beginning um because and i i've i've mentioned pieces of this in different types of episodes in the past but it's interesting to me that you know like i'd read a few comics here and there when i was younger and then i'd read like maximum carnage really liked that stuff but it hadn't really made me you know make the effort to really go out and figure out how how do you get these on a weekly basis or a monthly basis how do you get these regularly because you know i was buying on newsstands at like you know um i would go up and visit my grandmother and at near her house there was like a not a 7-eleven but a similar a becker's oh my god uh for those in ontario they might remember becker's that's a, that's a that's a deep pull there uh i go to becker's and i go there and i you know pick up some comics or you go to like a gas station or a convenience store in my case i got a bunch at a convenience store uh we go to a a super center, um, you know, which was just a grocery store. And I remember my parents would go shopping and I'd just be like, I'll be in the you know magazine rack just looking at comics, just going through them all, which is such an interesting experience that that just does not exist. Um, 
Although it's funny, like I think about it and like my wife and I have never really gone out to do grocery shopping on a weekend. Like I usually, we live not far from a grocery store, so I go on foot and I usually just go like do smaller trips throughout the week. Uh, sometimes I'll take my son with me, although that hasn't been true in a long time now because ever since, you know, COVID, uh, everything's changed and I, you know, you're, they don't really recommend that you go out more than one of you to buy groceries. So that whole communal experience is kind of gone. Uh, when my wife and I were first together, we used to love going grocery shopping together. It, just was, it was just like a fun... We go. We would always go on a weekday evening because it was never that busy, and we would just go and have a good time. And you know, it was just—it sounds silly to say, but we just kind of enjoyed each other's company. And we enjoyed, you know, going up and down their dials and looking, seeing what what deals there were. And you know, that was kind of fun. Like I don't know, it, it sounds really nerdy, but uh, it was just kind of a nice, fun thing that we used to do. And then when we had our son, we just kind of stopped doing that because it was not really possible to do it in the same way. We were not the type of people to be like, oh, let's take him out in the evening. Fuck that. Uh, like, we're, we're very, like, sleep training people. Like, you go to bed. Like, we're not doing... I, I go to stores at, like, 8, 30, 9 o'clock at night, and there's, like, little kids there. I'm like, what are they doing here? Go to bed. Um, I sense asleep, Or at least he he's not, like, running around a store. Anyways, I don't even know what my point was. Um, so when I first started getting into the comics, I was reading the Spider-Man comics. But then the big turning point for me was when I started buying Uncanny X-Men on my own. And that was with issue 332, which is right before Onslaught hit. Now, that is interesting to me in a lot of ways because I feel like at that point, I'm just trying to think what year that was now. I'm actually going to look that up as we speak. Um, I'm just trying to think, like, it's just such a weird period to want to start reading X-Men. And, like, why was this the moment? And I, for the life of me, cannot figure out why. Why was it this moment that I decided that I wanted to do this? It, it's, I believe, cover dated May 96. So that would have been, like, what, I guess March... 96. I'm just trying to think what grade I would even have been in. I think I would have been in grade 7. But, like, why was this the year? You know, like, uh, yeah, I would have entered grade 7, 96 to 97. So uh, this was early. Sorry, grade 8 I would have been in. So grade 9. Yeah, so I would have been grade 7 at this time. So, like, what what the hell was it about this book that I, that I picked up and wanted to read? I, I remember vaguely that I had a friend... Who ended up going to Israel and never coming back, which just sounds really morbid. Uh, but I think he just moved there with the family. But it just sounds. Very, um, I think he was reading a lot of like Clone Saga stuff for Spider Man, and I, you know, I think I was reading some of his books and I liked it. But again, I wasn't buying them on my own. It wasn't really something that I ever really thought of to do on my own. But at some point, I decided I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy Uncanny X Men. Um, it, it's a weird period to to read and like have a as your first X Men comic that you're really reading, like. Like, I had a couple issues before this. I had, I've talked about this before, X-Men 20 and X-Men 27. Um, but it wasn't, really, like, I wasn't, I, I got them, one of them was a classmate who had cut up uh, part of the issue for a project, so that was issue 20, and so I got, you know, he didn't want it anymore, so I was like, I'll take it, that looks awesome. Um, and then issue 27, I think I got it as a gift, um, you know, just, and I, I don't even know why, they're like, hey, this comic looks fun, you like that X-Men animated series, which is true. Um, that came on in 92, so, you know, I, this is a few years in, I definitely liked X-Men, I liked that cartoon a lot, um, but I, I never really made the jump so something about I'm always curious what the hell was it about this and it's the weirdest period to buy to, to like you open up the first page and you have Wolverine with no nose and as a kid you're just kind of like alright cool um, but like nowadays I look at it and go like what and it's like it's by Joe Mad, so you have a great artist doing it um, I think what I really liked about it 
looking back on it. It was just the feeling like things were happening and other things had happened and like being like, whoa, what does this mean? Or what is, you know, what is that? And you look back on it. It's such a weird period that, you know, they knew where they were going in terms of, you know, Onslaught was coming, but there's a lot of stuff in there that they're just adding in characters and adding in backstories and just, you know, playing messy most of the time. But, um, you know, as a kid, I just didn't care. And I, that's what makes me wonder about comics these days and if kids do read it, what, what their feelings would be. I think the big thing that bugs me is that we don't really have... I, often I don't feel like you can pick up an issue and feel like you're getting a complete story that's not just like chapter three. And like not like they didn't do multi-part epics in the past, but it always kind of felt like you still got a beginning, middle, and end of the issue in some way, even though the grander story may not have been done. Um, so that, that is one thing I do miss about comics is that you used to feel like you got a, a unit of entertainment and not a chapter uh, of a large book. And like all the more power to people who do these longer narratives, like people like Tom King, for example. Uh, he definitely does like chapters. Um, not all the time, but a lot of his work does seem to feel that way. And as a result, some of the chapters really move fast, some of them really move slow, and there's a bit of an inconsistency, whereas you go back to old school comics and you always got a full story. And that's, you know, I so I, when I read this X-Men issue, I really liked it. And then with the next issue, um, I think the next month, I picked up It and X-Men. And that was it for many years. Like, I would I would pick up Uncanny and X-Men. And if I, I would love to look back, and I'm, I'm sure I can easily somehow, uh, find kind of a list of what came out in each month. And I was probably just buying X-Books. And not even many. I was, I was literally reading Uncanny X-Men and X-Men. There was a time when my mom used to go down and buy comics from me. And I think I had five comics a month i think that's basically was my budget and when i went over that my mom was like "Ooh, are you sure like you're, you're spending a lot of money on comics it was like 20 bucks a month maybe like i can't even remember how much these books were i think they were like three dollars there was like 265 canadian or something uh, at the time so like i was not spending a lot of money um but yeah like it was just uncanny and x-men and then for that first little while and then i wasn't actually picking up uh, Spider-Man to, I guess, later that year. I started picking it up with Amazing Spider-Man. I guess it would have been in grade 8. I had a, so I was in the hospital for some reason. I think I had like a concussion uh, from a bad fall. And um, and I remember, I think someone either gave me something from the, sh- from the gift shop. It was, a, I think, Amazing Spider-Man 418, or maybe I got it for... Um, my birthday around that period and then I had the injury I can't remember the sequence but anyways I started picking up Amazing Spider-Man and really liked it and again it is kind of a weird period too because you know it's it's not the most uh, commercial Spider-Man because it's Steve Scrooge who's a great artist and but at the time was a lot more on I can't, I can't really describe it, but the, like his characters had a lot of folds in their faces, and it was just there was just like a lot of ridging, and you have to kind of go back and look at it because like his more modern stuff does not look like that at all. He really tightened up. Um, back in the day, there was a lot of that happening, but so that was kind of my first real, you know, jumping into X Men, and I stayed with X Men for years, and it's just so when I look back at like quote unquote my X Men, I'm thinking of a weird, weird hob, you know, uh, messed up period like. Eight, eight issues after this, they had a major kind of uh, schism. Not schism, that's the wrong word, but they definitely split the total, you know, X groups into two 
distinct rosters again. They weren't like a, a strike fire force or anything like that, like they then when they launched X Men One by Jim Lee. Uh, but they did it more. You know, they put a, a team that went into space and a team that stayed on Earth. And the team that stayed on Earth ended up being part of Operation Zero Tolerance, which I've done an episode on in the past. Um, and the other one went in, you know, went into space. And I just covered that in a recent episode, The Trial of Gambit, trade paperback. Uh, but it's just kind of a, again a, a weird period to fall in love with X Men comics because it's so weird and so bizarre and then i was thinking like what was it at some point there became a time where i just kind of was less interested in x-men and again x-men was what really made made me start buying comics but i think it's spider-man which kept me through um and plus i mean there's a lot i'm oversimplifying because a lot of other things were going on in the industry you know in the mid-2000s you had the revitalization of the avengers as a brand when i would say the x-men were kind of falling apart um I, as a kid, and I struggle with this, was just not a big fan of Grant Morrison's new X-Men. And I I think part of it, and I think I've said this before, I think part of it does come down to the art. I think if there had been different art, I was not a Frank Quietly fan at the time. I've come around a little bit. I love his old-star Superman, but his X-Men just never quite felt right to me. But he had weird stuff in there. You had like Igor Cordy, whose artwork was always felt rushed and, and like it shouldn't really be there, and they should have waited or gotten a better fill-in. Um, then you had stuff like Ethan Van Skyver, who did really great work there. You had Phil Yemenis did some work. Like There was some really good stuff in and around that period as well. Uh, but it was just never my X-Men at the time. It felt so different. And again, I hadn't been reading comics that long. Like When the X-Men movie came out, I was buying comics maybe four years... Like just over four years um, but again when you're how old was I when the X, first X-Men movie came out I was 16 years old so if I'm 16 years old and I've been buying comics for four years it's a quarter of my life that I've been buying X-Men comics and I remember when the movie came out and they're wearing the leather and even as a kid I was like ugh this isn't my X-Men. <laughs> this isn't the way they look. Now, that being said, the X-Men in the year 2000 were a fucking mess. Um, and I, I think I struggled with that at the time, too, because it was so all over the place. We had Claremont coming back. We had still the great artists, but it was just a, a hodgepodge of weirdness. I actually really liked the period that Alan Davis was writing the book leading into the millennium where you had... Um, you know the twelve, which I remember like looking back on it, you're like no one cared about the twelve, but it felt like yeah, in the wizard they were always speculating about who the twelve were. Once in a while, you'd see a comic that would kind of reference the twelve, and it felt like this big exciting mystery. But in reality, not so much. Um, but that you know this that kind of is what ended the millennium, um, ended the nineties. You had a big storyline where you know Cyclops apparently died. Because uh, he was like merged with Apocalypse, and then eventually they'd find him, he'd get better. Um, but it was just, you know, that felt like a big crescendo. Like it, it was building off like a year's worth of stories, and I really liked that period. Did I, do I think it stuck the landing? Not necessarily, but I also liked the stuff with like Magneto ruling Genosha, it was really cool and felt like, you know, a really earned uh, aspect, even having not read comics that long. Um, yeah, but the X-Men and the Uncanny X-Men were such a, in such a weird period in the late 90s, but I feel like people do deride that period very unfairly. Um, I defend the 90s more than I probably should, but I think there's a lot of good there. Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot of garbage, too, but there's some stuff that, you know, there was some serious quality or interesting ideas. Maybe they didn't always go there. Maybe, you know, there was a lot of reasons for that, and, and maybe they didn't always know what to do with the X-Men. I feel like it's once Grant Morrison came on, he revolutionize his side of the X-Men. But at the same time, you had the X-Men still go- the Uncanny still going, and it really suffered um, by a bunch of different voices in rapid succession, very different art styles from each other. You had Ian Churchill with the brilliant art, um, but then very quickly you had these a lot of other artists, and I remember at the time being like, 
fuck, I don't, I'm not really enjoying the art of New X-Men. I don't really like what this is. And then, I don't know why we need the black leather costumes, but Ian Churchill makes it look awesome. But then you had all these other artists, and then it became very... I don't know. I, I don't mean to be disrespectful because I'm going to say like anime looking, and that's not really fair. Uh, Kia Asimia, or I can't remember his name, uh, but I just remember really rebelling against it and actually stopping. I stopped buying Uncanny X Men, and at the time that would that felt like chopping off an arm. Like it was just, it, and it wasn't like a collector mentality. I got a mall. It was just, I you know, I, I, I'm buying these since I started buying comics. How, what do you mean? I what do you mean I can stop? Like I remember years later when I was buying Exiles and it was like issue 90 something or it was after 100 I think it was when it was new Exiles and my wife was like why are you buying this you're obviously not enjoying it it's not what you want and I'm like I don't know I don't know why we do this to ourselves like comic fans we will stick with something and you know why and I guess people do that with TV shows too I mean you know if you're watching a TV show that you've always liked and then you know, you go through some rough years. Do you leave the TV show, or do you still like hope it'll get better? I feel like people do do that. So I feel like, and or with soap operas is probably a, a more apt comparison because there are times when certain soap operas will fucking suck, and they'll go through recycled storylines, or they'll just keep using the same triangles over and over again. Not like I ever watched Bold and Beautiful from 2012 to 2018, um, but uh, you know, something similar to that. And I think um, that's what you see sometimes in comics. Anyways, I was not a fan of that period, and then I actually came back on when, when Claremont did. Um, Claremont came back on, I think Alan Davis was with him, and this would have been, I guess, mid-2000s. But it felt like, ever since, yeah, and then in and around that period, Astonishing X-Men really felt like you, you made X-Men exciting again, but it always felt like you had him come on, you had two great years, not all in a row, but two great years of Astonishing X-Men, and then he went back to kind of the, the line not really knowing what it wanted to do. And you knew, you can really see that because the X-Men suddenly were moving to San Francisco, and then before the paint could dry on their new headquarters, they moved to Utopia. And it just felt like, I know, this is less of an X-Men problem and more, well, part of an X-Men problem, part of comics in general, is status quo started to last less and less time. Uh, instead of, you know, having a status quo last a year or two, it started lasting, like, months uh, until you move on to something new, which is part of what makes the current Hickman stuff is so exciting because it feels like if he's on it for a while, you feel like you know this status quo is going to last a while. It's not just going to be a few months and we're into something new. And that's very exciting. Uh, it's interesting to see how X-Men was like this biggest franchise with so many tendrils and so many characters and spinoffs, Exiles, Bishop, Gambit, all these other books. And then in the mid-2000s, you have the explosion of the Avengers franchise when you know Bendis were like finally added people that probably, you know, that people wanted to see, but purists probably didn't ever want to see on the team, like uh, Spider-Man and Wolverine. But suddenly the team really exploded in popularity, and part of it was that Bendis was really on the rise, and he had some really good artists on there as well. It was part of stuff like Civil War, House of Ebony, these big storylines happening. And suddenly the Avengers franchise took off, and then you had the MCU, which kind of cemented that, because then now people were really enjoying you know, this this Marvel Cinematic Universe that was able to connect things and do things in a very respectful way and very, you know, accurate and um, honest to how the characters, you know, generally are in the comics and really a faithful portrayal and at least getting the spirit, if not everything, exactly correct. Um, anyways, it's just an interesting kind of flip-flop when suddenly the Avengers were the big, big thing in town and the X-Men weren't. And the X-Men, you know, were kind of struggling for relevance ever since. Um, they're still there, and people still like them. And there's moments when they'll be really exciting to read, like all new X-Men by Brian Michael Bendis. But Brian Michael Bendis, to me, is one of the best setup men in comics. He can set up an idea like nobody else. He's not so good at sticking the landing. And I think 
unfortunately we see that a lot um but so his old new x-men was so exciting and then just kept going and then he left and it was still going on and eventually did end with someone else i forget who ended it was a person maybe in extermination and actually had a pretty solid ending but it does it forgive the fact that you start a great idea and then it just kind of middles out and then eventually someone pulls it back together really just puts the pieces back together and is able to do it well but it's not like like Bendis had actually seen it all through and how much of that is Bendis not just wanting to see it all through or just deciding to go on to something else or, you know, to work on other projects, who knows? Anyways, that's my rambling for today. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been episode 796. We're only a few episodes away from the big one from episode 800. Um, it actually may not end up being, uh, as supersized an episode as it has been in the past, but, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to get such a big number and to, realize that I've talked so much to myself over the course of those 800 episodes. Well, I've done a lot of interviews as well. Um, actually, we're already, speaking of Ian Churchill earlier, we we're working on having him on the show uh, sometime in the early 800s in the episodes, as well as having Roger Stern come back on the show, which I'm really super pumped about. So anyways, thank you for joining this episode and for downloading and listening to it. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Uh, you can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, rate and review the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and listen to us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.